2: Welcome to the theater podcast, everybody. If you're brand new, welcome. It's good to meet you. If you're a returning listener, nice to hear you again. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guests today, plural, are Steve Rosen and David Rossmer, a super fun duo that I originally saw on stage a couple years ago in the critically acclaimed The Other Josh Cohen And actually didn't realize it at the time and uh, know it now, but they wrote the book, the lyrics, and the songs for that show, which they have now done again for the world premiere that just opened in Seattle of the Griswold's Broadway Vacation. So this is an extremely fun episode because we're getting them at a time when they are at the end of their (laughs) fatigue of just opening the show and the excitement of the opening. And the two of them just together, they've been best comedy friends and real friends anyway forever and hearing them together is just such a treat so let's kick this off now everybody please enjoy this episode with steve and david I am super excited to get into our interview today. We have both halves of an incredibly talented duo of creation. Both of these gentlemen have many Broadway acting credits to their name, recently earning critical acclaim for their off-Broadway production of The Other, Josh Cohen. They created the hit show Don't Quit Your Night Job, and in between the two of them, in between, between the two of them, have created original works, I guess it's between the two of you, I don't know, original works for amazing peeps like Kelly Rippa, Kelly O'Hara, Sting, Zachary. Levi, Ariana Grande, individually, individually, my, my COVID brain is great. Individually, they are creators of several podcast radio plays and radio comedies and have now decided to join themselves once again in holy career matrimony as the book, <laughs> lyrics and songwriters for lyricists and songwriters for the Griswold Broadway Vacation. David Rossmer and Steve Rosen, welcome to the theater podcast. <gasps> there we go. I got it all out.
0: Yay. Wow. That was, like that was the greatest great. introduction ever.
2: And that's all the time we've got. I appreciate you being here. Uh, (laughs) Thanks
0: for having us. Bye. All right.
2: I want to jump into Griswold's Broadway vacation uh, because the Griswold is a family that we know. Uh, they they are a very loving group of individuals that like to travel around and get themselves into trouble. And uh, we're going to get into the history of how the two of you work together and how you met and how you decided to love each other in holy career matrimony. But first, about Griswold, Griswolds, uh, I want to uh, I want to have you explain like how this process even started because this is something like a story of people traveling uh there is like a uh the the vacation series are um it's a storytelling motif that's always changing and like and driving from place to place so how do you adapt that to a stage adaptation why do you adapt that into stage
3: well i think actually the most exciting part was when they first approached us uh what Tickled us was the idea that this was not a uh, adaptation of any of the vacation movies. This was an opportunity to take these iconic characters that you're talking about that everyone knows. And my family, at least, we were always called the Griswolds by our neighbors for all the antics we got into left and right. And putting them in a wholly original adventure. And when it was... Their next, it's really the next chapter of their story and they come to New York City to see a musical and it's a musical. And that felt really like a great idea to put on stage. And especially, you know, we were sort of the timing of it all, a show right now, a sort of big old Broadway comedy where, uh, about people leaving the house after a long time and going back on vacation with their family felt uh, very appropriate to the times and why it's probably been so much fun and so refreshing to work on. Um, and I think that that the, re, the, the fact that they come to New York, which is, you know, already sings and the fact that uh, musicals and Broadway is a big part of it. In fact, I would say in some ways, it's a love letter just as much to Broadway as it is to the Griswolds, um, and why we love theater and why we think theater is actually important. Um, For those reasons, it it felt like it had to be on stage. Um, And I think that's what excited us to bring some originality And of course, it's much harder to create a totally original story, especially for a musical. But I think uh, we were inspired by these characters, these archetype characters who everyone knows and loves and feels akin to.
0: No, I was going to say I totally um, I totally agree uh, with everything that David said, plus the fact that uh, of all places to celebrate on stage, is New York. New York has been such a classic location for so many of our favorite, my favorite Broadway shows that I've seen over the years. It is such a fertile environment uh, for adventures and hijinks. And the opportunity to um, create, you know, like On the Town does of that generation, basically to create a New York that is of the world we live in today, that is recognizable to a, a modern audience. And as people who are New Yorkers and love New York, but also recognize the tourism industry, we work in Times Square a lot. We see um, what happens when people come to town uh, and what they are confronted with, the New York that they are presented with. um, It just seems like a really fun opportunity to really explore that family that brings chaos wherever they go to a completely unpredictable city seemed just like a... A very interesting and fun chemical combination uh, that opened a lot of opportunities for both comedy and also just to try and present some of the magic that it is to be in New York City.
2: You've got these these archetype these archetypal family characters that you're talking about, but then uh, what New York? Fame, like uh, I guess, stereotypical New York characters. Did you decide to bring in? And is there anything that that you that got cut that you were sad about? Like, like the I'm walking here guy and the nuts for nuts guy and all these other people that, as New Yorkers, you know, we know I'm, get, I'm getting my accent already. You know, so like, what? Okay, I'll stop right there. What What characters did you bring in that are fun to talk about?
0: It's funny you said this because literally both of those characters are in the show. You will be. You won't be disappointed if you want nuts my nuts. It. They both made it. So um, nuts, the nuts for
2: nuts. Uh, the naked cowboy, naked cowgirl. Uh, yeah, did you, you got naked, right. you got naked people in the show? Or mostly naked people.
3: Yep. Yep. We've now covered all the bases.
0: <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep, keep naming them. We'll tell you if they're in. Um, okay. uh, but, uh, but even, uh, even down to the, the people that sell you the umbrellas on the street where the prices go up $20 as soon as a raindrop falls <laughs> they're here too
2: yeah. and Elmo uh, and Mickey with their heads
3: off uh well you know in the in the Griswold in the vacation movies they have a sort of parallel for Disney which is Wally World. Right. And so that's actually something we we honed in on very early on in the process was wow you know Disney has such a presence in in Times Square in Manhattan so it gave us an opportunity to to play with that and they actually end up going to the official Wally World restaurant of Times Square <laughs> Marty Moose's House of Pancakes in the show <laughs> Did,
2: Wait is Bubba Gump Bubba still open in real life right? Bubba Gump Shrimp It it is. is. God, I avoid all of that so hard. Uh, Yeah, that and Olive Garden. I don't know. But uh, I figure they have to go to one of those things. Those are real real New York
0: City restaurants. Those are some of the finest cuisine of Times Square. I remember when,
2: God when I was in high school and I visited New York for the first time, middle school, high school, I think in ninth grade. Yeah, we went to Olive Garden. I was like, this is the quintessential New York experience. We are in Times Square at the Olive Garden. And it was the best experience I had in that <laughs> particular week.
3: <laughs> we, we, You know, you asked about things that got cut. Something that did get cut was actually a Bubba Gum shrimp bit where there used to be this scene where the where a, a poor pedestrian tourist got hit by a, a, a carriage horse and oh a doctor comes out, a tourist doctor comes out to help him. And, you know, this man needs help, whatever. And then you hear Z-Z-Z, And he checks his pager. He says, oh, I'm sorry, I have to go. My table's ready at Bubba Gum Shrimp. And he ran off. <laughs> and and that one didn't make it. But, uh, but we love you, Bubba Gum Shrimp. Too much going on with with carriage horses right now. That's a
2: good good call to cut that bit. I I agree totally. Yeah. So is there
0: some carriage horses? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's like been it, some. Some horses have been mistreated. I think is sort of what's in the news right now. So yes, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah so yeah. On that on that fun note,
0: we are in uh, solidarity. Yeah. We are in solidarity with car- carriage horses. Just so you know, we
3: stand in solidarity with the New York carriage horses. <laughs> the, the horses, mi- not yay? the drivers
0: of the horses.
2: Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So so are you yay or nay for abolishing horses in Times uh, Square?
3: I think we should. My daughter loves the carousel horses in Central Park. That's true. So I think we should just ride carousel horses around
2: Central Park. All right. That's that's the takeaway from this episode is Central Park horses, not real horses in New York. There you go. Right. Um, the two of you have a history of working together uh, uh, doing Everything, soup to nuts, in creating uh, creating these things. To quote Kung Pao "Enter the fist, that's a lot of nuts! Um, <laughs> tell me you guys know that movie. Um, I'm literally giddy with excitement talking to both of you. I love both of you so much. Okay, so tell me about how you met, where did you start working together, and why, With of all the things that you can divvy up and hire other people to do and whatnot, why did you decide to do All the Nuts?
0: Uh, Well, we we met, I I mean, really, I think because our parents didn't want us hanging around at home over the summer. Um, And so, yeah, they they wanted us out so they could do adult things. And uh, they both sent us to a performing arts summer camp in upstate New York called French Woods. And uh, David and I actually met before we had even exchanged pleasantries, said hello, found out each other's names. We were auditioning for like an improv group that they had at camp, like an improv troupe, And we were actually improvising together in a scene where there were two people narrating the scene and he and I were silently acting out the scene. And very long story short, um, we were cracking each other up and the room up with this stuff where we couldn't even talk. Um, And uh, from that point on, we have been extremely close friends. And we've been making stuff together ever since Um, making each other laugh and then trying to use that um, uh, to to influence other people's senses of humor as well.
3: And I think the reason we, we wrote everything is because it's, it's just sort of how things evolved when we did the other Josh Cohen. And when we did, uh, uh, you know, don't put your night job even uh, though we had Dan Lipton, Sarah Salzberg as well, but we always sort of just, chipped in and did everything i think that we both write music and we both write lyrics and we both you know write book and and plays so it felt like um a nice match and actually we were doing less on this than we did on josh cohen because we're not in this (laughs) true not on wood um so this was like we were like all we have to do is write book music and lyrics this is the (laughs) breeze the
2: the Actual process of of sitting down uh, for those three different things,
3: right? So where do you? We never s- sit down. We always write standing up. Oh, good. This good, is good. actually Hang-
0: this is the first time we've sat down in probably about three and a half months.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> actually, true, yeah.
2: you're hanging upside down with the camera rotated, so <laughs> exactly. it looks like yeah. Good. I get it. I get it. Um, where do you start with the process? Uh, I guess for take it back to to Josh Cohen right where did that idea come from and do you start with the book do you start with the lyrics or songs like I've talked with so many different people who do one or two of the things and sometimes they start with just a a refrain sometimes they start with a melody and put words to that and it's it's all over the place I'm always curious to what your process is and is it different when you're
3: by yourself than when you're together Uh, it's much quieter when we're by ourselves (laughs) The truth is that it it really depends, even within the project, on song to song. I mean, Josh Cohen, we had had the idea for a story. And so that was born out of a story meets us being in Los Angeles before a TV meeting and we were nervous and we pulled the guitar off Steve's sublet wall and just started to write uh, uh, fake Neil Diamond type songs for our amusement, and somehow it felt like, wait a minute, we can put this story idea together with these song ideas and kind of make something interesting. And that's how that one developed. This was very much like, would you like to be considered in you know a group of writers we're approaching for a project? Uh, we you know uh, uh, they had the rights, um, they were you know going to do this, and it was just a matter of who was going to write it. And
0: so they had, um, they had an idea, this- but, but no, had an idea, but no story or any of those things. They really wanted to hear every part of that, every part of how it would work. Sorry, David. Go ahead.
3: No, no, no. Uh, I, I was just going to say, um, yeah, that that you know, we 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 came up with sort of a bud of a story and said this would be the general idea, and then we were tasked with writing two songs. So we wrote an opening number, which is. Which is similar to the opening number now, uh, and but not the same. And then we wrote actually an Act Two 11 o'clock ballad number for Ellen because we knew that we wanted to make this a very Ellen-centric story. Uh, for those who don't know, she's the the, the matriarch of the family, and um, and we thought that we we kind of like the idea that she plays a prominent role in this, where often Clark was kind of spearheading the the other the movies, and and so. Um, and so we took those ideas and kind of put them in a blender and we wrote these two songs, one kind of fun up-tempo opening number and one kind of a, a more heartfelt ballad and said, you know, hey, how much, how much heart can we sneak into this thing? And uh, they seemed to be on board with it. And from there, you know, we just kind of wrote a draft. And I think to get there, we first started by writing everything we remembered about the movie without watching them. Because we thought, wouldn't it be nice if people who had never seen any of these movies could come and you could have called this The Tourists and it would be a-okay? And so we tried to kind of create something that would be between, you know, for people who have never seen any of these movies and for people who love the movies. And that's a balance we're still trying to find because people have very strong feelings either way. And so... Um, you know, how zany can it be, how much heart can you have before people are not getting what they kind of expect from the Griswolds. So that, and we love the puzzle, so I think in that regard, writing everything together is, is more of a facile approach for us. Um, there is something organic, it, it is tricky to write everything, and it is a lot of hats, uh, no question, and it is probably more stressful. But also, sometimes things come out more organic when it's just two people who can affect everything. And so, you know, the songs can attach themselves better to the scenes, and, you know, you don't have to wait for permission for five people to make changes. And we love to change. I think the cast probably hates us because we we put in brand-new lyrics to a song yesterday, and we opened today. Um, but... <laughs> I think it's the love of the puzzle and, and cause no one told us to stop doing it that way.
2: That's so, that's very cool. And, and I guess the more you do as well, uh, the more opportunities you have to win awards. So, the, and that's why we do it, right? It's all about the awards.
0: Well, the reason uh, I feel the reason that anyone really gets into the arts is to compete against other people making different things <laughs> for trophies.
2: <laughs> as, as appropriate yes like you need the validation so you might as well do the m- most because then you have the most opportunity to uh, to do that so steve i want to start with you then let's back up to, to we steve tiny steve when did you get into performing music a- a playing instruments uh, what got you into the theatra
0: well i'll start with i was never actually uh, a wee steve i was born a full adult um, oh, good. which was hell hell on my mother Uh, and I had a piano with me. Um, (laughs) no, I started, you know, I I grew up in a very musical household. Um, my, uh, my older brother played the violins, the Suzuki method. And my mother, uh, was a played piano. My father always wanted to be a musician. Um, he actually wrote a song and went to the Brill building when he was a kid. We recently found this like record he made of himself writing this song. He is uh, a dentist so he never actually went into it, but um, music has always been a huge part of, of our lives. Uh, all of us had little, my dad wrote theme songs for all of us when we were kids. We all had like our own songs. So just making up songs and singing has always been a big part of uh, just the family dynamic. Um, and I took piano lessons and Um, but Suzuki, which is the one where, you know, your parent has to sit there taking notes while you play. And it became clear every week that I was not practicing. And then when the (laughs) teacher would turn around to scold my mother, my mother would just be asleep in the chair. So it was, (laughs) we were, um... So, yeah, so it always, there was a very ramshackle approach, but I also played the drums um, and uh, went to that camp since I was really little. So I was always very interested in musicals and, and the theater and that sort of thing. And, and it was a big part of my family uh, growing up.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Revoid. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: And we would have jam sessions. My brother played guitar and we had a drum set and, and piano. So we would, you know, mess around even from a young age with Broadway fake books and we'd make up new lyrics to things. Um, and uh yeah i mean i went to, to school and really it's and music has always been a, a huge part of my life um and uh yeah i went to college at nyu at nyu and i'm just really there was there i can't think of a time in my life where music wasn't playing a big part of it
2: so do you remember your theme song as a child
0: um yeah. Well, I can. Yes, I can. Of course I can. But it will make it will make no sense to anybody. Um, but uh, my see, but for instance, he used to call my um, uh, my brother Corey's theme song was basically a song he wrote that went, um, I guess it was when Corey was very little. It went teeny tiny toes and the teeny tiny nose, teeny tiny lips that go flip, flop, flip flop, flip, teeny tiny thighs, but great big, great big eyes teeny tiny toes and a teeny tiny nose and he called him uh tiny so that was that was his theme song um mine had a lot more yiddish in it so i at this point i don't know if it would be so exciting
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right well speaking of yiddish david what's
3: your what's your upbringing (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's funny um well uh my mom my mom was uh she worked in the South Bronx and she taught and she taught teachers, but she was also, she was musical. She played the guitar and the piano and she used to play Beatles songs. And she had this huge collection of records. And that is really where I first fell in love with music. And uh, I remember um, just sitting there um, for hours and hours. I was obsessed and, and would, read them cover to cover, and, and as I listened to them, and and uh, and uh, honestly, a lot of them were not, I didn't get involved in musical theater through musicals. I got involved because she had kind of, like, from more of a uh, rock perspective, because she had um, a lot of, like, concept albums. She had, like, the Who's Tommy, and she had, I guess, Jesus Christ Superstar, and she had Sgt. Pepper's, and all these kind of albums, I was like, oh my god, they're like, it's this, it was like, Music that told the story in a, in a way, um, but it was more of an album. It, w- it was somewhere between album and story, I guess, concept album, and and those were the things that I really fell in love with. The Wall, Pink Floyd's a Wall, and she had, and I was like, wow! I couldn't believe that this kind of music could tell a story, and that was very appealing to me. And then came Cats. <laughs> And I just, I, we would like dress up as the cats, and we would like. I had like the, I would put on a bathrobe and say Buster for Jones, and 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 people have unfriended me for my love of cats, but really I just couldn't get enough of it. Really, really, like really, I have lost friends, but I just loved it so much. I just loved it. It's it's T.S. Eliot poems and beautiful music, and I just thought it was great. And my brother and I, as kids, we would dress up. We knew the, the whole album. That was our theater album. And then finally, we went to see it. And a cat put, uh, you know, a shoe on my foot, and I was, I was hooked. Um, but, but mostly played in bands and stuff. You know, the theater thing came a little later for me. But I always loved the idea of songs telling a story. Now, my father was not musical at all. He, 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 um, he also made up songs, but, but they were one line long and out of tune. And, and I'm, and I, I'm not sure they were in English. Uh, So, but, but, uh, but he, but what he did, he was known when we were young at, by our neighbors, as I mentioned, as the Griswolds and they were up oh, the Griswold strike again. You know, he would do something crazy like like uh, leave the electricity on in a weird way. And there was a squirrel that ran across one of the wires outside our window and and it got electrocuted and it was like hanging there, but no one could take it down. And so he didn't want to touch it. So there was like a squirrel in rigor mortis for like a year just. <laughs> He's <laughs> composing on our wire, and that was your welcome to our house. It was,
0: you know, and, it's like handmade and so, It's like a, a warning to other squirrels is.
3: Exactly, watch out. Um, so, so you know, I think that for this show at least, he was a huge influence, and in all ways, he was a huge influence with his sense of humor and his kind of wry uh, style. Uh, um, and, uh, and, and, honestly, his just sense of joy. And so, um, although he didn't have any talents in the arts, he was a, a real appreciator. And I, I, it still tickles me, um, uh, you know, that he's looking down and laughing at this because, you know, for uh, me to be right, we're working on a Griswold musical, you know, when our whole life he was known as that is, is really special. It's actually, you know, makes it, adds a little extra meaning to it for me. That's beautiful. I,
2: I I'm picturing the the squirrel just like smoking for twelve months. Yes. Just like hanging off the front of your house. Like uh, all the other squirrels are over there across the street, like listen, yes. the rumor about the nuts on that squirrel. The, that, squirrel uh, yes. that squirrel kept all the nuts. But look what happened to him. Totally.
3: Yeah. People would come over. Oh what a charming house. What the hell is that? <laughs>
2: Well, they still do that at Steve's house, but that's a separate story. That's right. Yeah,
0: in the back, it's just a, <laughs> just a laundry line of animals in the backyard like possums and chipmunks, <laughs> and birds. Um, so, uh,
2: I saw on Reddit, on Reddit yesterday, I saw a post that someone, I follow NYC on Reddit, like the subreddit, and someone posted a picture of a squirrel, uh, not a squirrel, a snake, and they were like, What's a snake doing in New York? What is, is, what is this? Is, is there something wrong with the city now? And it, I, it was weird. it was the weirdest thing to see like a snake in the middle of Manhattan but I saw, I used to live in inwood uh, near Inwood in Washington Heights and I saw a raccoon once and it was the greatest thing. It was my little my little connection to nature.
0: Wow. Well oh, yes. snake, snakes eat rats so it's not may, may not be such a bad thing to have a couple of them around, especially underneath all of the all of the new restaurant outdoor restaurant things that they've built that are all just sort of like now fronts for rat nests.
2: Well, I know that the the show, Griswold, is open yesterday, but there's still time to put that scene in if you want to add the snake coming out to eat the rats from the street food that is being stalked by homeless people.
3: We actually had a – We once had like a little rat that scurried across the stage. Our idea was that like there would be a piece of pizza center stage, and it would just scurry on and grab the pizza and run off the other stage. But we'll have to save that. It's technically <laughs> challenging. Yeah, the p-
2: pizza rat in the subway. You've got to have pizza That's right. rat. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to like... get
0: Bill Berloni to teach a rat how to eat a piece of pizza. I mean, we have there's a lot of work. Yeah, we got to train. You got to get a rat
3: wrangler. You got to get a you know a backup rat. You know they can only they have to be in school at certain hours. It's very tricky. Yeah, very tricky to hire rats. Not impossible, but tricky.
2: <laughs> I get that. Uh, yeah, the the animals at a show or something. I've never actually been in a show with animals. Um, don't ever think I want to. But <laughs> so for um this for for Griswold you're you're not acting in it for Josh Cohen and other things you've done. You have been in it. Is was that out of uh necessity or? preference or why decide to create from the ground up and then star in something when you want to have like any sort of semblance of a of a social life
0: (laughs) it's funny you say that it's i mean as you well know like get making anything getting anything from like a page or an idea onto a stage and in front of people there's so many things have to get done in order for that to happen. Um, and that means dealing with so many different people's schedules and availabilities and getting all of the rights, all of the, so many things have to happen right in order for anything to happen. And I think just by necessity, we have sort of just done everything because in order to streamline the process as much as possible, it's like, well, it will just be, easier for us to just write for ourselves especially for the the josh cohen thing it was like we every, we tried to at that one we were trying to write something that required very little set that we could sort of do most of the work on ourselves and where we could sort of surround ourselves with um with the material that we felt comfortable performing and that we could do in in the time frame that we have a lot of the times it's these things are out of necessity because we have a a show to do. Sometimes you get the date, like don't quit your night job. We got the date of the first show before we actually really knew what we wanted to do. So a lot of the times it's like, yeah, we, that was, yeah, it was crazy. It was all through really Sarah Salzburg and Jesse Ferguson at Joe's pub. And they wanted to start late night programming. And they were like, so we'll give you these three dates. You guys will do something fun. Right. And we're like, great. And then we literally were like, okay, we've got three and a half weeks to come up with a concept. Um, a a cast, a show, what are we going to do with this time? How do we advertise it? All that stuff. And, you know, there's nothing quite like a deadline to make you work. (laughs) So um, I think really it was just born out of that. It's, it's when you know that people are going to be sitting down in seats and watching what you're doing, you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta gotta do whatever, whatever isn't being done.
2: Do you have a a repository or Rolodex of ideas that uh that you'll pull it's out disgusting. in, in that, you, that you you bring out in cases like that you're like all right i got three weeks to put something together let me pull something out of the hat that uh, of shitty ideas that we can make less shitty
0: you
3: <laughs> should that's a great idea
0: the, the texas idea repository um exactly okay.
3: Repository. Uh, like it's my prescription
0: uh, only and uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, i we never
3: taking a repository. I hear it's tricky. Yeah.
0: <laughs> sometimes when we're faced with a, you know, where, where we have a, a challenge of something that we have to figure out, sometimes an idea that we've had that hasn't been in something will come up again. That reminds me of this or that. But a lot of the times we all, we just try to approach things with baby eyes and baby ears and take every situation new and see how we were respond in real time um because that is probably going to be the thing that if it if it's the first thing that comes into our heads then it's probably going to be reflective of what other people are thinking in that moment too
2: so uh, I'm curious, too, as to how you decide when to work together and when not to work together, because you each have your own individual credits that are that are equally impressive as the stuff you've created together. Uh, I, I touched nice. on some of this in the in the intro, but like, David, you've been working um, with Kelly Rippa's production company and you sold something to ABC and and wrote for Kelly O'Hara's album and blah, blah, blah yada 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 etc etc um and then steve like you've created comedy material like i said for sting zachary levi ariel grande like where did where does where did these opportunities come from individually and uh you can tell each other to like put on earmuffs and cover each other's ears if you need to but like when do you decide to work
3: together and not until he pisses me off and then i'm like forget this I'm (laughs)
0: i'm out i'm out um I think like like i mean i can't speak for david first of all those things with those things that you mentioned the kelly uh, the um the uh the zachary levi and the sting and stuff those things were actually we did do together because those were through don't quit your night job um but i think it really is about it is opportunity it's like i think when certain things come across our plate when things are brought to us um that and the timing sort of works out and and i think that we're both lucky enough that we've been you know, working together and independently as artists throughout our, our careers that we have other relationships that sort of come up and spring up opportunities. And, you know, we often try to, in the other things that we do bring each other into those things too. It's really about creating an artistic community in New York. There are, uh, not a ton of people that do the kind of stuff that we do. And so our paths do tend to cross. Um, so, I feel like try to work together as much as humanly possible, and then when other opportunities come up, we, you know, we we try to fit them into our schedule around the other things that we're doing. The goal is to just keep making stuff. I think.
3: Agreed. Agreed. We still love it after all these years. We still make each other laugh. Um, it's the best. And yeah, we look for every opportunity to get in a room. I think that you know the reason that we do sort of sprinkle our. Our, our projects amongst different people sometimes is we just love the collaboration at least i'll speak for myself i love working with other people i love throwing ideas around with other people i love the the writing process not being so lonely i have enjoyed also you know that as well sometimes but i i find the most fun is when you're in a room with someone or people who you enjoy spending time with who you feel are of your world and you're making something together and you know, any ideas on the table, you can shoot down any idea. And like, it's just a goal of, of, of kind of, it's like sitting down at a board game except everyone's playing together to win. And I like solitaire. It's fun. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I think there's something about working with other people, whether it's the two of us, or many other people, and the truth is though, even when it's just the two of us working, we are still often uh, incorporating plenty of other, you know, uh, uh, personalities and talents and, you know, from the other pieces of the creative team to, you know, working with other writers, depending on what, you know, is needed for the moment. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, even on Josh Cohen, We were working with Dan Lipton and, uh, you know, we work with Sarah too on, on things, you know, sometimes we'll bring her in and beg her to play a role because she's so funny. Um, so I think that, uh, I think we just love collaboration and that's where it stems from. And so whoever has an idea and wants to make something, we're like, and if we like it, we'll just say, great, you know, what we can't think of a, a more amazing way to spend our days. So uh alan if you have any ideas um you know we're open to it
2: i have i open. have a wonderful idea for a sci-fi uh, radio play but I'll, I'll pitch it to you off the oh. air
1: yeah
0: with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
3: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time
2: Um, okay, so I want to wrap up with three standard closing questions. Cliffhanger! Yeah. Well, I can't say it on air because people are going to steal sure. it. And then, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, sure. So the three questions I ask everybody to wrap up the episodes. We'll take turns. David, we'll start with you for the first one. The question is... I'm gonna find my <laughs> How many times have I done this? And I forgot my fucking notes. Seven. Did I get it right? You did. Oh, went. that was not the would. That was not the <laughs> right. 42 <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> All right, so, David, start with you. The first question, very simply, is just what motivates you? I am
3: motivated by good food, family, friends, and an opportunity to say to anyone who's interested in our writing, hey, do you feel this way about the world? Does this make you laugh? Does this make you think... What do you make of this crazy experience around the sun? All right. Also, um, uh, also, um, uh, seize chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Steve.
0: Uh, oh, me, uh, fear, anxiety, depression, um, and uh, no, honestly, what it is, it's a lot of the same things David said. It's my family, it's my friends, it's community, it's creating things with people who are um, as passionate and inspired uh, or, or as passionate as, as I think that we are to uh, create and entertain and make people think and feel um, which is why this process has been so amazing, working with this incredible cast. And I mean, th- the people that we get to work with on this project are so incredible. And, um, and that is sort of, I think that's what motivates me is the idea that we can keep making things and telling stories and getting things in front of people. And um, I think more than anything else, the opportunity to make people feel better um, after they've seen something than they did when they came in. Cause I always try to think of like, when we're someone comes to see something that we've done maybe, and I never would wish this on anyone, but maybe they're having, just a really, really bad day, like one of those landmark bad days where something terrible happens and and everything is shaken in their world. And if they can come in and they can watch something and smile and laugh genuinely and forget about everything for a second, um, that to me, that's what motivates me is is making people changing the way people feel from um, having a bad day.
2: All right. So, Steve, you're going first on this next one, then. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path?
0: That's a great question. I would say try mustard earlier. I waited until college. And honestly, it's a delicious condiment. I did not give it a shot because I didn't like the color and the smell, but it tastes better than it looks. Um, I would honestly tell myself to don't be afraid of what people, of people's judgment, of people telling you that they don't like something because I think in every, and don't take criticism to heart in ways where you take it personally. I think that people, when people, um, people offer up opinions to you, sometimes it comes from, you know, their own feelings about themselves, but also there's sometimes there's stuff in there that is, um, actionable and usable as feedback, because I don't think that I've always had such a great idea of who I am. It's the whole thing of like, you look in the mirror and you make a face in the mirror that you never actually make in real life. When you think that's how you look best, sometimes it's helpful to know how the world (laughs) views you so that you can be a little more realistic about how, you know, uh, how you interpret the world and 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 put energy back out into it also i would tell myself to keep making hang out even more with my friends and that the time that we're spending um laughing and joking is not wasted time ever because something um as amazing and fruitful you can you it's just proof that you can work with like your best friends in the world at your and make it part of your job um if i had sort of realized that earlier in my life i think that i would have dived even earlier into making stuff like
3: this all right david you know i always give the same advice but i really firmly believe in it read books i don't know why that's the advice that comes to me just read books it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't have to be about the business theater i'm just anything that interests you but i have found that that has been the most inspiring and creative outlet for me to just probably pull ideas from consciously and subconsciously for writing, for performing, for life. And so whenever someone asks me what I'd say, I, because I don't think I have the answer and because I think that everyone's path should be different. That's the one thing I think of. Just read as much and as many things as you can. I agree with that. I think it, it, it fosters a,
2: a, a maybe a subconscious effort to stay open-minded. You're just learning. You're always learning and more open. So, all right. Agree. So, David, back to you then. Last question. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want,
3: what would you see? Blood brother. All right. Easy. Steve? I don't know why. <laughs> I loved Blood Brothers. I saw it like four times. Brian Darcy James signed my playbill. I <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know why that music <laughs> hit. I just loved it. It was something about it. Again, like a contemporary story with music that sounded like Pink Floyd or something. And, and just a very uh, interesting story. And no one is going to, they're going to just turn me off when they hear that. <laughs> Steve? But, uh, but yes,
0: that would be it. I'm surprised you didn't say cats. I'll be very honest. I guess you've seen it probably in a <laughs> I, I, I
3: wasn't it with the cats. We talked about squirrels and raccoons and rats and cats. I just felt like name something that didn't have an animal.
0: Um, I guess if I had to see one thing part of me wants to see wants to name something that I've never actually seen so that uh, it's not just comfort food that I'm seeing something new but that I'm sort of stuck with it. If I don't like it then it's a problem. Um, I, I think I always have to go back to Fiddler on the roof to me. It's the perfect musical. It's just, and it's long. So like, I, there's enough parts of it that I'm not going to just get bored of seeing it over and over again. I can just be like, you know what, I'm just going to go straight to huddle or like, you know, I'm going to spend a little (laughs) more time with Perchick today. Really get into now I have everything. Um, but I also, yeah. So I think that's what I would pick. What,
2: what is your, have you ever done Fiddler? What would be your, your character of choice?
0: Uh, I have done Fiddler. I, I, uh, I did it at French Voids. I played Tevia in a production that David was in uh, where something <laughs> hilariously terrible happened. But well, that's a, for another day. And then um, I did it in high school where like True West, me and another guy were double cast where some nights I was Tevia and some nights I was Laser Wolf. <laughs> so things got very confusing in to life to life Lahayam. I'll just say it was a roller coaster. Uh, and how many
3: nights did you do it?
0: Oh, what's oh, funny no, I know it's it sounds like that. No, we did um to, we did four performances and I was I was, te- I was tevye all day Saturday and he had Thursday Friday. So um but I could I can grow my own I was say, that's how
3: If it makes you feel any better, I was in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar, and we they also double cast it, and I was Jesus on one night and Pilot on the other night. Wow,
0: <laughs> that's those are wow. two very different vocal. But that's also Dave I mean, David. If you listen to the other Josh Cohen album, and I, I highly suggest doing so because it's very enjoyable. David can sing anything. He has yeah. that kind of voice.
3: I if David could do anything it's play Jesus and Pilate in the same production and he's
0: Jewish that's the craziest part I guess they both I guess they, I guess Jesus was too
2: exactly you, like the same character half your face is Jesus the other half is Pilate so that's you just, right yeah you just oh, turn yeah. one way or the other and you can play the the, same oh, really. the, the, the Jekyll yeah.
0: and Hyde oh yeah <laughs> three so, women you
2: so where can we find you both online and connect with uh, Fifth Avenue Theater Griswold's a Broadway Vacation
0: uh, we're at the Fifth Avenue Theater now until October second, um, and if you go on Instagram to Rossmer Rosen, R O S S M E R R O S E N, you can see some very undercurated things that we put up because we are not the greatest social media people, uh, <laughs> but we try. We're learning, um, and you know we're we're in all the regular s- spots. If you look for us on Facebook or wherever you can find, or Twitter, or Instagram, you can find. Uh, those kinds of things, um, but you can find the other Josh Cohen album on any streaming place, any place where you listen to music. Um, and uh, yeah, really do come come to Seattle and see us. It's a it's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and the, I'm going to plug too that uh, what is it? Um, who are your Hunter Foster and um, mm. uh, is your is your Clark? And then who do you have now as your Ellen?
0: Ryan King Megan Reinking is her name, uh, Megan Reinking, who uh, you've probably seen on Broadway. She was in Hair, she was in Dracula, uh, uh, and she is uh, just American. wonderful. K- Kate Rockwell, um, who was playing the role of Ellen, um, is, is having a big, ba- she, she left She's our family show to baby. go have her own family. Right. Um, and so Megan Ranking has stepped into the role uh, beautifully. Uh, uh, it just it's a, another testament to this wonderful company that it, everyone is just with open arms. It, there are so many moving parts to this and, and everyone is just being so uh, adaptive and wonderful. And, and we're so lucky. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. All yeah. right.
2: Thank you. Thank you both. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I'm on TikTok. I don't know what I'm doing there. That's also under curated. Um, thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Steve and David, thank you both so much. Thank this you. has been fun. My cheeks hurt from smiling.
3: Well, you know, and, and we just thank you for coming in with such a post-COVID sexy voice. It really well, was fun.
2: Thank and, you. Cool in a world where COVID takes over my body
0: (laughs) 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 it's it's weird a sexy voice saying a very unsexy thing
2: wait wait (laughs) what what is sexy give me something sexy to say
3: Uh, say what
2: is uh, considered sexy
0: Griswold's Broadway Vacation is the hottest show in Seattle (laughs) Griswold's Broadway
2: Vacation
3: is the hottest show in Seattle
0: Oh
2: my god,
3: thousands of tickets just went. It's amazing. Cha ching. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful.